Alia Borjalova, welcome to Leading Through Challenge. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we've just had a really awesome chat uh, all about resilience, all about being curious and how to lead in these times. What's some of the deep stuff that we got into today? Hmm. I think one of, the, one of the important pieces we got to really quickly was the need for purpose, need for clarity. Needing to be clear on what it is that you want and how do you wish to go about that. Um, and that seems to have applied to everything from individual through to team through to organizational resilience. Alia Bozilova, welcome to Leading Through Challenge. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Alia, who, who are you in a nutshell? <laughs> in a nutshell um, okay professionally I am um, an organizational psychologist with an insatiable appetite for resilience and uh, that means individual team organizational resilience and so I spend the vast majority of my time exploring some of the most subjectively speaking weird and wonderful issues that there are in that space other than that, I'm a mum of a five-year-old, um, a crazy energizer bunny, and someone who is constantly curious, sometimes too curious for my own good. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and what is it about leadership that interests you the most? I think I'm biased. I spent the vast majority of my career serving in the New Zealand Defence Force as an officer, and the concept or question of what good leadership looks like, what it takes, how it works has been on the front of my mind for my entire career. Um, what I'm particularly interested in is or are the times when the context changes, when our circumstances change and how the capabilities we thought pan out perfectly for good leadership end up changing in changing circumstances. Mm, so it's difficult yeah. by that knowing how many outcomes rest in the hands of leaders. Yeah, and that is that, that's a topic that fascinates me as well. And and I guess in essence, this pot, this show is all about resilience and how can we be more resilient as leaders, but also how can we foster resilience in our teams? And I think, especially at this time period, resilience is a word that has been thrown around a lot, um, and potentially has some slightly different meanings depending on who's using it. But how do you think about resilience? my perception of what resilience looks like has changed a little bit. I think the reason why is that I have utmost appreciation and respect for the fact that we have an abundance of resilience as we are. We are made of it. Whether or not we like it, we are. So what I'm, what I'm interested in is not so much the kind of resilience that helps us bounce back following significant changes, but the kind of resilience that helps us bounce forward, the kind of resilience that predicts how curiously we are engaging with the environment that we are in how deeply we explore the possibilities that we've got in front of us. And most importantly, how we can gain from the setbacks we have experienced so that we can move forward far better than we contemplated. That's the sort of resilience that I'm interested in, bouncing forward. Yeah, and I like, I like the way you, uh, you talk about that and, and how you've framed it as well, because I think that that's similar to the way that I think about resilience as well. It's not just after the fact of something's already happened because often in these situations that's something that we need to be navigating for a long period of time and we need to be able to get through it we can't just curl up in a ball and wait for the end and then look to recover after that it's 
it's in the moment stuff as well, which is is really important. And I think where maybe a, a few of the definitions let down the concept of resilience. Tell me a bit more about that. What are you thinking? Well, I think like from from what I've looked at in regards to resilience, it's there are yeah, yeah there are a multitude of different ways that people look at it and, and ways that people have measured it as well. And I think there's there's been almost an over focus on the after effect of hey this this incident has happened. How do you recover from it? And often that's a discrete incident that people have had, which makes sense to measure what what happens afterwards. But when we're in something like the situation we're in at the moment with COVID-19, yeah, there's been a a discrete incident in terms of this this virus has appeared and we've responded to it in New Zealand here in this with a sense of lockdown, which is, is kind of a discrete event, but that doesn't mean that the challenge is over for us right now. Like this is going to be a protracted period of time that we're in a challenging situation that we're under stress, that we need to, to figure out how do we get through this? Where are, where are the opportunities for us to, as you say, bounce forward with it? Is, I love the way in which you um, presented the challenge for us. You know, that bit about we tend to look at resilience retrospectively. We always study it in relation to some sort of isolated event or change that has occurred in our environment. And then we think, in spite of deep and profound awareness of the unique context that defines each of us, each team, each organization, how do we recover and how, how did we get back to the pre-event conditions? But that isn't resilience, that's survival you know mm. and and what we're missing along the way is the multitude of contextual elements that haven't really been taken into account so to me resilience is that capacity for perpetual growth for evolution for responding to really pertinent meaningful questions that we should all be asking ourselves and designing intentionally the environments and the conditions in which we want to be a part of and in which we want to try thrive rather than recovery you know so I appreciate the way in which you did that. Mm, thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's a topic that I've thought a little bit about. So hopefully I can articulate on it reasonably well. I, I know a lot of your work has, has been around this and looking at some of the factors that influence our ability to be resilient in this way, not just recover, but to bounce forward. And I mean, from, from previous conversations that we've had, like, I know that both of us think about this stuff within the context of a situation, whether that's a a situation for an individual or whether it's a a situation for a team, that there's always those contextual factors that are influencing people's ability to be resilient and and, uh, demonstrate their resilience. But what are some of the, the overarching themes that help influence people team society's ability to be resilient yeah um, so thinking of the way in which we've defined resilience i'd hazard a guess that one of the factors that prevents us from being our best in our potential to be resilient is the fact that we pay attention to all the wrong things a lot of the time mm-hmm. you know we get scattered we get convoluted we uh, focus a whole keep more on wishful thinking rather than 
intentional engagement. And I think a lot of the time we are scattered. I think the vast majority of the factors that underpin our inability to be as resilient as we could be is the fact that we aren't paying attention to the right things. One of my favorite heuristics in terms of resilience, particularly when it comes to individual resilience, is this thing that I like to call mind where your mind goes. And I think when we aren't clear on what it is that we want to be a part of, what it is that we want to influence and experience, then there is a very high probability that we will be all over the show. But I think what I like about changes or significant changes such as the one that we are in now is that it gives us an opportunity to consciously examine and to think, hey, what do I want to be a part of? How do I want to be a part of it? You know, crises change who is in the lead. Uh, and we could think of that in terms of what organizations or teams influence our way of life. We could think of it in, in terms of ourselves. We could think of the proposition that we have around how we engage with our environment. So I think the, the short of it is the bit that prevents us the most from being the best in terms of our resilience capability is the fact that we lack focus on the sorts of things we really mm want to be a part of and then it becomes impossible i mean if you are sitting in the middle of a paddock trying to wrestle a thousand possible beers <laughs> it's very difficult to be intentional and disciplined around what it is that you're trying to achieve so yeah we've got some work to do yeah and i want to dig into that concept a little bit more as well because in hindsight and looking back on the stuff it's really easy to maybe pick out the things that we were paying attention to that weren't the right things for us. But in the moment, it's often a lot more difficult. How do we kind of sift the right stuff that we should be paying attention to from basically the rest of the crap out there that we shouldn't be uh, paying any mind to? Well, but think about it. Think about it. I guess there are so many different recipes and frankly they're they're very very simple and they work but if we think about an individual in the midst of uh, endless chaos and constant change the sorts of questions that really matter are the questions that come out of how self-aware we are how clear are we on what our purpose is how clear are we on what the best of ourselves looks like acts like and anticipates and so if we are clear, if we step into these situations with sense of clarity of purpose, with sense of self-awareness, with clear um, awareness of what we feel we want to be a part of and contribute, then it's as simple as the question of what matters right now. You know what I mean? And sometimes the sorts of things that scatter us are nothing but harmful. I know that we are all designed in order to be able to combat the threats that we perceive are in our environment, but sometimes we tend to focus a whole heap more on the perceived threat than the possibilities. But when it comes to teams and organizations, it's as simple as that bit. Again, clarity of purpose. If we are clear on what it is that we want to be and want to do, the rest of the questions align a whole heap more seamlessly. You are right. We can't be as clear as we need to be if we have absolutely no understanding of what it is that we want to be, where we want to be, how we want to engage. So to me, the rest of the questions really don't matter unless we start off with what does it mean for us to be firm on our feet? Is our goal, is our mission, is our vision for ourselves, for our team, for our organization clear enough for us to move forward? Because if we don't have that, everything is 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 a goal, right? <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think I, I really like the way that you've uh, you've put that across as well, because I think in in instances like this, and and basically in in 
life in general, even if times are good, we're not in a challenging situation. Purpose is something that we should be consistently reviewing and it evolves along with us. It doesn't stay stagnant. Obviously, times like this accelerate or or change what our purpose might be a little bit more um, because our purpose today potentially slightly different to what it was three months ago when we weren't in the midst of of everything that's going on at the moment so it is it's paying attention and allowing that to to evolve over time as well not getting caught up in this is what it was six months ago it needs to stay like this it's consistently questioning I think yeah I mean there's something something it just reminds me um in the research that we did, one of the really brilliant pieces that came out is that if your purpose is sufficiently elevated, if it's been something that truly in, you know, encapsulates, encapsulates every aspect of you and, and the sorts of things that motivate you, then you don't, you're not necessarily, um, you're making yourself less of a victim or less of a subject to the nuances and changes that are occurring in your daily life. And so the fact that the ways in which you can achieve your purpose have changed might be true, but the purpose doesn't necessarily change if it has been sufficiently elevated. So for example, if your purpose is to be a good human, you could achieve that by being a great neighbor, by being a good mate to someone that you really care about, or you could achieve it by leading an extraordinary organization that has a very powerful potential to contribute to environmental outcomes. So the vehicle might change when you have significant sways and shifts in your environment, but your mission may not. Again, that's a test of how clear are you on it, you know? Mm-hmm. In the same way as many of the teams that I work with these days, uh, the way in which they went about achieving what they set out to achieve has changed for obvious reasons. They can't tangibly touch the sort of outcomes that they care about. The mission hasn't changed. And so in many, many cases, when you soul search that deeply and when you have a very clear mission, the only thing that needs to change is the ways in which you get there rather than it itself, you know? So when you're when you're talking about elevated purpose, are you talking about it in like a high level sense that that sort of elevation, or what do you mean by that specifically? Well, that's definitely what I mean. Okay, I think higher order kind of alignment um, of your purpose, and and again, when when you're thinking of these things. You know, again, I have in mind some of the best teams that I currently work with and how good they are, they are at switching the modus operandi, the way in which they achieve they want to do, the pace with which they do it, because they have that clarity, they have a deep sense of belonging, they have profound sense of commitment to that vision. And so for them, it's a lot easier to kind of go, okay, well, you know, three months ago, we contemplated that we were going to be achieving that mission by speaking at 100 conferences on the other side of the earth. Now we've got to find a different vehicle to do it. But guess what? Because our purpose was so solid and so thought through and everyone is so committed to it, we are far better at making it happen now, right? Um, so it is a bit of that. It's, it's how, how elevated it is in a sense of sophistication, more so than anything else. Okay, cool, cool. And, I mean, that's, that's one of the important things about resilience is being able to find a different way through and find a different path. And I know one of the things that you like to think about, uh, which is kind of a, yeah, it's an almost, I'm I'm thinking, no, (laughs) I'm going to cut this bit out. (laughs) Um, 
I know that one of the things that you like to be thinking about um, and to be curious about is curiosity because it does allow us to find a different way path, a different path through challenge. Why does, why does curiosity play such a, such a big role in our ability to be resilient and our ability to bounce forward? Well, there are some really basic reasons why it is profoundly important. Um, the one reason why I have accepted for myself, whether or not it's true is a different story, I think it's true, is that you can't necessarily be curious and freaked out at the same time, right? If you are in a state of fight, flight, freeze, if you are anxious about everything, it's very difficult to also be holistically curious and to be open to exploring ideas. Much less of our cognitive resources are available to us to be able to think broadly, to be able to contemplate, to be able to explore possibilities if we are in a pickle. And so the reason why I really like to think of curiosity is that inevitably it is the sort of thing that allows us to tackle wicked issues and wicked challenges from a different perspective, to contemplate ways in which we aren't necessarily just passive observers or passive participants in life, but active influencers. So the what if question, how about question, there's a, there's a gazillion questions one can ask themselves, you know, in terms of exploring the unknown. So to me, I like it because the fundamental reason why I'm attracted to the concept of curiosity is that it, it supposes that you are better prepared to regulate your own responses and you are better prepared to step into a new way of thinking, which is a little bit less about responding and reacting and more about creating intentionally. But the other reason why I'm really curious about curiosity is that it helps us chart pathways that are otherwise impossible for us to envision, you know, and so... If we are more exploratory and more interested, more curious, more engaged with our environments, we get places better, faster. Um, and so I think particularly in times of crises, where we have had some of the fundamental assumptions of life as we knew it shaken and stirred, there is no better recipe for moving way, um, ways ahead than curiosity, particularly if it is intentional curiosity. You know, we're not talking about kind of walking blindly. <laughs> We're talking about being intentional um, in the way in which we explore things. Mm. And how can we be intentional with our curiosity at the moment? Because, I mean, there is, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of threat on most people right now. Uh, and that is challenging. That is, it's easy to slip into that reactive state and not, uh, not let our curiosity come through. So how can we start to become more intentionally curious at the moment? Well, first start with why. What is the shift that needs to be created? What is the place that we need to be at? Sometimes this could be a very, very simple answer, right? I need to have roof over my head and food on my table, right? And so that awareness of what matters to me right now is the starting point to it. And then you can begin to explore, well, how do I go about it better? What is the most sustainable way in which I can achieve that? What need, beyond the basic needs, do I have to meet in, my, in myself, for my family, for my team, for my bubble? Um, and then begin to explore what might be the most meaningful way in which I achieve that. So, but the starting point has to be awareness. Where am I at? What matters to me? And then how can I best get to that place? What alternatives do I have? Once we begin to open up our minds to the possibility of what matters, how can I get there better, how can I get there differently, we are better prepared to then look into different ways in which we connect the resources that are available to us. And by that I mean 
relationships, I mean societal context, I mean global context. You know, we begin to search and seek and become open to different ways of unfolding that same predicament that we thought was, you know, overwhelming. It's a little bit like origami. Do you know what I mean? Look, you can unfold it many different ways if you allow yourself to imagine that this could take a different shape. Do you know what I mean? Um, so that's my sense around it. I think you can't really be curious if you are allowing yourself to be entirely submerged and engulfed in the challenges of the here and now. Um, but you could be if you're clear on where you need to be next or how you want to experience the present moment, even if it is being stuck in a predicament that you think is impossible to deal with. It's about pausing and thinking, hey, why does this feel so challenging? What, what, what about it feels so very unpleasant? What about it feels like I need to be elsewhere or experience things differently? If you don't have that awareness, it's very difficult to shift, at least to shift sustainably, right? Mm. And I think uh, like another thing that can be quite valuable in that area as well as is creating that curiosity is to try and open yourself up to different viewpoints and different ideas which is almost contradictory to what we were talking about before in regards to paying attention to the right stuff but the more diversity of perspective that we can expose ourselves to the more different angles we can look at the same problem from as well uh, and the more likely we are to come up to, with a solution that maybe leads us to that point where we want to go to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Diversity of thought, the most fundamental thing, right? Um, again, you unfold things from a different perspective. I don't, know if, I don't know if it is contradictory to what we were talking about before. I think what it is is that it gives you, um, it channels your energy, I think, in the same direction. But if you have that degree of openness, and in many instances, interpersonal curiosity, the ability to be able to explore without judgment, another view, another perspective that can only contribute, you know, that really creates that really wonderful shift away from something that you felt solid into, but maybe not necessarily fulfilled you and thereby you kind of unpack and explore from a different angle. So I think it's probably part of the same thing. Yeah, I think actually thinking on it a little bit further, if you do have that clarity of purpose and clarity of direction, then you can utilize that um, diversity of information and perspective in a different way. Whereas if you don't have that, that directional purpose that you're heading towards, then actually just gathering information for information's sake does become quite overwhelming and, and bog you down where you're at. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you see, this is the time when uh, some of the familiar references come back to mind and they kind of feel like, they should have stayed in a pre-crisis mode, but they don't, you know? And so the question really for us to ask is, are we seeking the information just so that we can prove ourselves? Or are we seeking the information so that we can broaden our perspective, broaden our capabilities, broaden our ways forward? So it's kind of like growth versus fixed mindset type of thing. You know mm. what I mean? Are you seeking it to prove yourself right? Or are you seeking it so that you can be broader, deeper, more solid on your feet when you're moving forward? And sometimes that takes the i guess the courage to be proven wrong the courage to be given a completely different perspective to tackle yeah i very much agree with that uh, alia i mean this is a this is a show all about leadership and helping ourselves lead better but is there a time that you felt that you haven't led well and if so are you happy to share that goodness 
I'm, I'm actually trying to think of when is a time where I can hand on hard thing I've, I've led the best way I possibly could have. I think if you have any degree of um, capacity for introspection, capacity for reflection and capacity for self-analysis, uh, I'd be frightened if any leader said I, I led exceptionally. You could, you could led to the best of your abilities oh. at the time, but then, yeah. you know, to learn a few things. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Is has there been a time where you've where you feel that you've led badly? Hmm. I think I'd say, I looking back, there definitely are times where I think I could have led a whole heap better. Uh, and those have been the times where I have been too occupied focusing on what I thought I needed to do rather than how I should do it and who's around me to get it done with. So it's focusing on the what in spite the contextual feedback, in spite sometimes your team is, and not necessarily paying sufficient attention to what emotions, what thought patterns are in the mix, you know? And so that's one of those things that I think is a trick for young players when it comes to leaders, thinking that you need to know it all <laughs> mm. rather than open to, open to perspectives that are available to you from everybody else. Mm. Yeah. And what has influenced your thinking about leadership the most in the last year or two? Well, the last year or two have been particularly colourful for me in terms of exposure. So I work with a plethora of very, very different organisations and teams. And what has been most, uh, most memorable for me is recognising how many different personality types, how many different dispositions, how many different value sets exist within the scope of leadership and how you can lead in many different ways. Um, but in spite of what different leaders come with, the criteria that we all need to ascribe to or serve by are very much the same. You know, it, it doesn't, you know, different personalities, different preferences can lead uh, just as well. But in order for us to be the best that we could be and to support the best outcomes in those that are entrusted in us, the sorts of things that are required are things like clarity, capacity to create deep sense of belonging and to create meaningful sense of commitment in those around us before we focus on pace. Um, so it's been humbling to notice how many different ways we have to go about this thing called leadership, but how important it is for us to focus on exactly the same simple things that we tend to often disregard. Mm. Hopefully that leads well into the next question, but Alia, what should leaders be doing right now? Hmm. Do you know, a, a part of me wants to say kind of depends, but a much bigger part of me wants to say it sort of doesn't depend. Um, so the reason why I wanted to say kind of depends is that I know how most of us really want to, to be recognized for being very different. And we think that the same rules that apply to someone else definitely don't apply to us because we are also very special. But I think that's a bit of a cop-out, to be fair. <laughs> the more I age into this leadership space, the more I realize that we're just sometimes trying to find excuses for being a bit precious during crisis. So to me, there are very few excuses left. I think leaders need to be open, transparent, and entirely unapologetic around helping themselves explore sense of purpose with those they lead. And by that, I mean, you know, like we were saying earlier, crisis changes who is in the lead and there are many organizations and teams out there that will probably think you know what we will come out of whatever next level and we'll get back to life as it was life as normal but i don't know whether we are paying enough attention to everything that has changed and we need to as leaders be far more transparent and be to open up to 
why are we asking people to do what they're doing beyond collecting a paycheck? How can we do that more meaningfully? What ways do we have to contribute more intentionally? What matters to those people that I lead? How can I make home for that sense of purpose, personal purpose and the sort of things that really matter to my team within the space that consumes so much of the energy and time, which is work. So to me, leaders need to pause, recognize what has changed. And that's not just a solitary individual exploration. I think we need to be doing this in concert with everyone else around us. I think we're running a huge risks if we are building these powerful pictures of the future in our own minds. We have to co-create those with our teams. So we've got some reorienting to do, no matter the organization that we lead. But first, we have to recognize what's changed. We have to see how the changes that have happened have found the people that we lead. We need to reorient jointly towards something a little bit more meaningful and far more transparent. And then we need to think about what it is and how do we re-anchor into this new phase, stage and possibility that the post-COVID world is going to offer us. What will re-anchor us into it? What values, what purpose, what shared commitment? You know, what are the outcomes that we are aiming for? So the short of it is we have a lot of work to do, but I think leaders need to be a whole heap more transparent um, and connected with those that they lead and be more committed to co-designing the outcomes that they expect everyone else to be committed to. Does that resonate? It does, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I very much agree with that that statement. Alia Bojilova, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you.